welcome to the Make Shit Happen podcast. If you're a business owner or aspiring entrepreneur who is ready to learn how to stop procrastinating and take massive action to start turning your passion into profit today, you're in the right place. I'm your host, Sam McLeod, real estate expert, six-figure coach, and champion athlete. And my goal is to equip you with the exact tools and steps to create massive success today. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Make Shit Happen. Today's guest is Eli Wilder, who used to work with Tony. Thanks for coming on, mate. I really appreciate your time. I appreciate you, man. Excited to be here. How's things going, buddy? What's uh, You just recently moved? Yep, here in Miami. I was here for a year, and Miami's very fun, a lot of distractions, and so I decided to go away for a year. I actually moved up by Tony and uh, lived in a huge, massive 5,000-square-foot house by myself for a year. Um, got some work done, but is really lonely. So I like being around people, walking to places I can get food, and uh, I'm back. So this is my jam. I'm excited to be back here. Yeah, well, 5,000 square foot, that's definitely no shoebox. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was cool. Cool, like massive spot. And I had set up with a vision. I did it maybe five events there, but I wanted to do a bunch more. Um, but yeah, it just doesn't make sense to have that much space for just me. Um, I say yeah. that, but I'm now in this place, and then I moved to a place that's like four times bigger, a uh, huge loft <laughs> where I can do events, studio, but I'll be able to rent it out and justify the cost. Uh, but yeah, I just, I like big spaces. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's great. So I, I was watching your um, interview with Dan Henry and something that kind of stuck out to me in, in the right at the start of the interview was, you know, Eli, you've accomplished some pretty incredible things in your career, um, working with Tony Robbins specifically, but um, you mentioned that you've done over 3,400 seminars. Yeah, just on behalf of Tony. So Tony, when Tony goes to a, an event, does his signature program, UPW, Unleash the Power Within, um, they put like a bunch of sales dudes in the area and we speak to different companies, mostly commission-based companies like real estate companies, insurance, talk about mindset. And that's how we'd enroll people into the big event with Tony. So I'd be there for three, four, sometimes five months in a city doing these events that had been set up. Wow. And I'd average two a day. So two two of these like little seminars a day for over a decade adds up. Um, and then I've done a bunch of others just on my own and um, all over the world. So yeah, I've done. That, that's crazy. I, I mean, you know, doing seminars to that extent is, is, is quite large, but I mean, how has being a part of this, I guess, changed your life working with, you know, obviously one of the biggest, if not the biggest life coach in the world, like how was working with Tony and how did that kind of change your life? So many things on a personal level. I mean, who he is, in my opinion, as, as a man, as a mentor, as a leader, um, obviously has a skill set, but the hard set, he, he cares. He spends more plates in a day than I, I think anybody in the world. People just have no idea um, who he is behind the scenes and the amount of preparation that comes. So definitely just being around him in that community. Um, and everybody works at the company too. They're not in it for money. Um, they really want to make a difference. They're, the work really does change people's lives. And so um, there's just a, a different standard that shifts everything you do. And you put yourself in that environment with those kind of people, and you can't help but to be changed by it. Um, on the event side, doing it, you know, I talked about mindset. I talked about communication. I talked a lot about, a lot about the aspects of life that it takes a person to be successful. And 
you know, speaking about every day kind of forces you to live it. Otherwise you're not congruent, you don't have the impact. And so it came to me early on in my career that if I was gonna be impactful, I was gonna have to be congruent, making sure that my, um, there weren't just a bunch of words I was saying, but I was a living example because that congruency is what really allowed me to hold people to a higher standard themselves and ultimately sell them. And so uh, it was a lot of just great reps going out there and the job that I had for Tony doing these daily events um, was the same job that Tony had for Jim Rohn. So that's kind of the lineage. And there was other people for Jim Rohn. He talks about Earl Schof doing this, the network marketing. And you know anybody, I think, if you want to be successful in business or sales or whatever, you need to find somebody that has had success, you know, work for them or be around them, maybe learn from them. And I saw Tony and he talked about proximity is power. You got to get around these people. And I was like, I want to be around that dude. Um, and so that, you know, that just shifted so many things for me on so many levels. And it's what really allowed me to build what I have now. Yeah. Wow. And what, um, are you still working with Tony in any capacity at the moment? No, no, it was, you know, I'd say we're friends. I mean, if I text him, he'd respond back. We don't drink beers on the weekend and uh, go out and party and stuff like that. But he's, he's an amazing guy. And uh, um, yeah, I broke off two years ago, maybe three years, about three years ago officially. Um, and then I spoke at an event of his two years ago and um, still friends. He messaged me not long ago, sent me his new book. And um, yeah, just a, a great guy, but completely do our own thing. And Oftentimes I would speak at my own events or I'd get the opportunity to speak because people say, oh, you're Tony's top guy. What are you doing differently? And I'd go into companies or you know other coaching businesses and show them what we were doing or what I was doing specifically because I would, I would often outsell the rest of the people on the team. And we all had the same product we we're selling, same script, same words, same price points, everything the same, but my sales were so much more and for me, I wasn't initially, when I first started doing coaching, I knew I could do things really well because I was just, I believed in it so much and I trained like crazy, but I didn't know how to replicate the system of what I was doing. And so the last maybe five, six years, since 2015, I started my own training company and not just studying myself or Tony, but looking at other people in the industry that I became friends with. And I'm friends with all of the other top sales trainers. Like we share strategies and ideas all the time because I'm just looking for those slight edge principles in what people are doing, saying, communicating, being that allow them to be effective. And so over the years, we just developed a process that can help people become, um, you know, more influential, better salespeople, uh, stronger psychology and make more money. That's, yeah, that's pretty incredible. When you, when you talk about your, how you're making more sales, everybody else, same product, same script, what were you doing differently? You know, looking back on it, um, you know, part of it, like I am the self-proclaimed largest Tony Robbins fan on earth, my level of certainty that it can have an impact on somebody's life. It was just through the roof because I lived it and I didn't have yeah. money when I signed up for it. And so if somebody told me they didn't have money, I was like, because I didn't have money and I did it. I was like, that's no big deal. So I had some linguistic things that helped me handle it, but I had an energetic belief and a certainty behind my words that allowed me to penetrate somebody in an emotional way where it created a bond and I held them to a standard of what they could do. So that was part of it. And, you know, I, I always tell people this, you know, as great as Tony is, and I think he is the best, so I'm not here to poo-poo on Tony Robbins at all. I, I often ask some of the people that I would train initially, and even now, as great as Tony is, he does these events, 
and there's, you know, it's like 10,000 people. Yeah. Like, do you think everybody there likes those events? No. Tony's saying the F-bomb, he's cussing, it's cold. There's like, and it's just really big. And you can get your money back after the second day if you're not in love with it. And at those events, because I was so committed, I wasn't making any money. I would stand at the customer service booth and I would do my best to turn people around, to, to convince them not to give in their money, to go back in the room and fully experience the entire time. And I would often succeed in getting somebody to overcome a really strong objection when they're ready to leave and get their money back. And I did it not for money. I did it because I believed in it. But also yeah. that got me some conflict negotiation skills that I wanted to master and I knew I needed the rep. So I got a ton of experience and I wasn't doing it for money. I was doing it for a purpose to serve. And on the flip side, I always tell people, there's people coming to the customer service booth. Maybe they got burned or like from the firewalk or you know some little thing happened and they're irate. And I couldn't always turn them around. They said things that they didn't like that were true. Like Tony did say this, that, you know, did, did do this thing. Not that he was being a bad guy. He's just there to kind of be in your face in some moments. And some of those people really angry, hated Tony Robbins, hated me, hated our product and service. Mm. And now here's the, here's the principle. If you're selling something, no matter how good it is, there's going to be people that don't like it. Now, if I did a presentation and I blank um, or yeah, I get no sale, if I don't manage my own psychology going into the next sale, that next sale is already lost. And so for me, I was able to create some rituals and standards that prime my psychology to be that way because I had references that, that could say, oh, well, the product doesn't work or the events don't help everybody. Yeah. And if I believed that, I would go into my next presentation with uncertainty. <clears throat> and uncertainty was my biggest asset. And so I think, you know, and part of my mantra was always this when I was selling because people were really uncertain when I was pitching, I was a stranger talking about you giving me all your money for some random program with some random guy that was on the other side of the country sometimes. And people had lots of uncertainty. And when two people meet, the person that's more certain will influence the other person. So my mantra was always, my certainty overcomes their doubt. But once I got really good, I created frames and questions and conversations and told stories that increased their doubt. So not only did I have more certainty than they had doubt, I increase their doubt in themselves and their future and their patterns and how they're thinking and acting and making decisions based on their past references that made them begin to look internal and doubt themselves. Now, as they're doubting themselves and what they're currently doing, and they see me with certainty talking about a process, it's the pain that I've associated there gets them associated to the possible opportunity where they're willing to be led in that way. But if they believe everything's perfect and they're certain in what they're already doing, they have no need. So yep. I was certain, I had a certain opportunity and I created, I created doubt in themselves and their ability to get what they want with their current thought process or patterns. And so that was the, the, how I was able to balance the scales in my favor. And once I realized it, um, I created systems and processes inside of our sales seminars and events and scripts and phone calls that were repeatable that I repeated, first of all, just for myself. So I'd have a system for enrollment, but then I started to give that to other people and they had similar success. It's, it, it is really quite powerful. Like if you truly do believe that your product or service or whatever it is that you're offering can truly help people, <clears throat> your self-belief 
and you trying to close the call or just have a conversation with somebody, it's it's much more powerful in that respect and how it comes across from you to them. I've definitely noticed that myself in my career in property and you know if I know what I'm selling is going to help them, um, then I come across as more certain than their doubts do. So it's it is it is very very powerful. Um, when it when it comes to um, you know when you talk about you know you mentioned NLP and and you know um, priming yourself before you know a call or before an event or before you start your day, what were some of the things that you did to kind of start uh, or prime yourself mentally for the day or before a call before you get on to make sure that you had the right mindset going into it? You know, the four things that I think you need before any sales call or interaction is, well, well, the fourth of the four is rapport. And I think a lot of people, when they're going into a sales situation, they're trying to get rapport, responsiveness, trust. Hey, I'm just like you. Oh, Australia. I've been to Australia. Oh, Wisconsin. I once, you know, they're like trying to find commonality, but trying to just get somebody to like you for the sake of liking you almost guarantees they won't like you because it's manipulative. Try to get somebody to like you so you can sell them something. And people have like, you know, they played that game. And if you're in a sophisticated market or a saturated market, or you're calling on a company where they get called by a lot of salespeople, it, they automatically just put you inside of a bucket. And so what, what is it we need to do beforehand to, like you said, prime ourselves to create a state that's very magnetic and attractive? You know, the first thing is always belief that I touched on, but I have beliefs that I would condition about myself, about these people that were empowering. And I've definitely had presentations and calls where I could feel the belief in the other person that they were like, I don't want to talk to you. I don't need to hear what you have to say. And they would, they would say that verbally or, you know, with their physiology that they didn't want to hear what I had to say. And my belief was just stronger. I was like, wow, this person really needs to hear what I have to say. I was certain, but I was And I yeah. was, I had, you know, this, this gravity and this weight and this foundation of belief inside of me that was more conditioned and more committed to connecting and just helping the person. And they were committed to saying the same. And so the first is belief. I had lots of beliefs that I would review before my calls. I made sure I was in a great physiology, moving and breathing, you know, maybe doing some push-ups. Um, I would often drive two, three hours to a meeting and your back hurts. So I'd stretch, get some energy in my body. And then I made sure I had an outcome. And, you know, for every interaction, uh, I know uh, Napoleon Hill talks about this in the book, Thinking Grow Rich, um, says all successful people have this thing called definiteness of purpose. Another way we say it is to clear outcome. So I knew if I was going to lead the conversation, I have a clear target of where I'm taking these people. And if you just have a target to get a sale, you'll actually get more sales, but you'll come off a little bit like pressury. Like you're pushing yeah. somebody towards a sale. And so I, I began to think and create strategies for realizing this, that all actions, somebody buys or doesn't buy, all outcomes are preceded by thoughts and feelings. So I got really technical. I was like, well, if they're thinking this and they're feeling this, that's gonna precede the action. But if they're thinking this and they're thinking this, well, that's gonna precede not buying. So I made sure that I installed the thoughts and beliefs and feelings in people throughout my communication and presentation that would prime them to buy. And so I got really clear, you know, who are these people? Why is this important to them? And the fourth thing I mentioned is rapport, but rapport before the call or seminar. 
And we say, I always say this, um, there's this legal term called quid pro quo. It means you give something before you get something. You give a little to get a little. And if I want people to like me, how do I show up in a way with people that I've never even met and have them really know that I, that I like them, that I love them? And I could be talking to, a, say, a used car lot. And if I go in there with the, the mindset like, oh, these are broke people, these people are jerks, and you know we're going to be combative if that's my mindset. So I need to condition myself and think like, what's great about these people? Like, what do I love about these people? Like, why is this so important to these people? What's going to mean to these people? And now I'm showing up with authentic empathy and caring and concern. And I don't want to just go through the motions. I don't want to read a script. I don't want that. This is my life. Like if you work 40, 50 hours a week, this is a large portion of your life. And I don't want my life to be one of going through the motions. I want it to mean something. And it's not going to mean something to me. And it's certainly not going to mean anything to them unless I make it mean something that's empowering me and makes me want to do it. You know, I've done thousands of seminars and I don't wake up every day like, yay, another seminar, yay, another uh, coaching call. But, you know, I make sure that I have something to empower me to want to do it and not force myself to do it because you're going to have days that you don't want to do it. And so the only way that we push past that is to have a vision that's bigger than ourselves, that's bigger than the moment that we can live into. And that's what I think are the things you need to do in body and condition within yourself. And you can start your day with it. You can start your calls. Um, after 17 years, it's kind of become automatic and I can feel it just kind of click in, but it's not by chance. It's lots of conditioning over years. Yeah. Wow. And and that's a very good way to look at it too. Like, I think, like I remember when I first started in sales and I had my, got my hands on my, on my first script and I was reading it and I, I didn't do any role play. I just got straight on the phone. I was like, I'm going to close some sales. Here we go. Started reading the script and, um, I recorded my course. I can go back and listen to it that day. And it just sounded robotic and it just wasn't, it wasn't good. It didn't come across authentic. Didn't come across like I cared. Didn't come across like I was being, um, I guess, true to myself when I was reading the script. And so, you know, I started doing a lot more roll call in the morning, and you know, I changed and tweaked a few things, and I definitely felt like that made a massive difference um, for myself. Like every day, like in in sales, it only takes you know one phone call to become, I guess, rusty in that sense, for a lack of a better word. And, you know, I do think that role, role playing is, is very, very crucial and very important to sales, depending on your job. Um, like I tend to do it every morning for about half an hour to 45 minutes before I hop on um, calls and speak to clients, which is, which I think is very, um, very, very helpful. When it comes to, I guess, sales as a job, what's your view on, on sales? Eli? Like, cause a lot of people, I, I don't know about over in, um, over in America, but in, in Australia, for instance, there's a lot of um, tall poppy syndrome in Australia. And it's when it comes to, you know, uh, coaching, online courses, sales, <clears throat> uh, even mentoring, even though a lot of people do it here in Australia, it's, it's not widely or publicly spoken about. And um, for instance, probably I'd say the biggest sales job in Australia would have to be real estate. And, um, you know, I remember when I first started real estate and people would ask what I did for a job and, and I'd say, oh, you know, I'm a real estate agent. And you get that look from people where they go, oh, you know, they're one of those typical sleazy salesmen in, in real estate or, um, you know, you, oh, you guys, all you care about is money. Um, and I, I know that's not true myself, but 
um, you know, I've gone from being in residential real estate to project sales, then to going into property development. And so I've gone through a bit of a, um, a natural change over the years in um, how I do sales and what kind of sales I do, you know, going from B to C to B to B is very, very different. And um, so I'm just keen to get your take on sales because a lot of people do view sales as a negative uh, role in life. But in my opinion, I think arguably it's the best job in the world that you could possibly have and the best job in the world that you can get. And there's so much freedom attached around around this job and it's really up to you to make of it what you want. So I was really um, interested to see what your view is on sales. You know, for me, I, well, first of all, I think sales is amazing. You can make more money than most doctors. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's a fascinating gig. You know, this is where uh, businesses are won or lost. And when you look at all the, you know, internet billionaires and, and people that have really made it big, like, I mean, like a, like a Mark Cuban, or you look at some of these guys, they say the first skill they developed when they were young is sales. It's the only part of your business that brings in money, accounting, customer, like everything costs money. This is the only thing. And they say, if you want to be good in business, well, you've got to be good at sales. And the people that are saying that sales is sleazy inside, none of those people own their own business. <laughs> you know, so they're, they're all people that have known nothing about business, first of all, you know, and so you really have to, you know, because in my, in my world, part of the reason like that I've become popular and we don't do any marketing or anything, but I've coached a lot of the biggest sales names and brands, but they realize like they're, they're hungry to talk to me because they know that what my advice can do for their business. If they got a 20% close rate, I can come in and like literally with no extra ad costs, I can double your revenue if we get you to 40%. And so you better appreciate me. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> and so I, I, you know, it's like, for me also on the flip side, I, I never wanted to be in sales really. I got a job selling dental products over the phone my friend, and I was terrible at it. And I started reading, you know, spin selling all the basic books and proved a little bit. But then, I, and I read books like Think and Go Rich and all these principle-based books and scripting stuff, but a lot of it, I didn't articulate my words. I didn't communicate well. I wasn't confident. I mumbled. I slurred my words. I'd, I'd lie about how many calls that I made, made you know, that day. I didn't follow up. I, it wasn't so much just the skill set, which was really important, and I got that, but it was also just my character and my mindset and my belief about what I was doing. And when I saw Tony Robbins at the event, you know, I... I was just mesmerized and I saw him turn around a suicide and I thought to myself, if he can turn around suicides like that, I wonder if I could use those same techniques to turn around sales by connecting, finding gaps, defining the problem in solvable terms. Some of these things that he was doing in the interventions, we pulled into a sales process where people were happy to be sold. And I would often do my presentations, people, you know, putting it on three credit cards and with tears in their eyes saying, thank you so much. It's changed my life. Like you being here today gave me hope and I'm all in on me. It wasn't just the program. I sold them on themselves. And so depending on what you're selling, um, I mean, there are, and if you are in sales like 20 years as a career and you pop around a bit, there's no doubt that you will have to sell some shitty things at some point, like some widget or something you don't really believe in, but you can learn there too, because it's just, I, I really do think that sales is almost, there's a spiritual component to it because this is where you're dealing with people and sales in and of itself, it's a logical understanding of a very emotional process. To understand sales is to understand people. And when people buy things, nothing moves in this world to the soul. And it's really understanding 
what are the drives that get somebody to take action? If you can understand how to move people towards sales, you can understand how to move people and you're much more valuable. You know, if you're the, the person that just wants to be the idea person and not execute, not know how to get money, you're not going to be very valuable to a business. Part of the reason I wanted to be really good at sales is because I wanted to be valuable. And maybe it's my insecurity. I wanted Tony to acknowledge me. I looked up to him like a, like a second father and I just wanted to be good. And I remember when I was living with Tony's son, Jerick, he said this to his son and he would, he, Tony communicates like these little voice note audio messages and he sent a long one to his son and his son let me listen to it. He said, it's one thing to be a good speech maker and people clap for you and tell you that you're great because people are generally pretty nice. Some people are jerks, but most people are pretty nice. But he says, if you want to find out if you're really good, you won't know from the claps because people ultimately vote with their dollars. You're good if people are paying you because they saw value in you. And a big part of what you offer through sales could be the value of the home, but it's also the value of the presentation and the person. That's the difference between a luxury real estate agent and one that's, you know, flipping whatever, like in, in the ghetto. And so it's that, that professionalism that you do um, and who we get to be can put somebody at ease. And I think it's one of the best things in the world. So in my world, uh, sales isn't sleazy at all. It's awesome. And that's because in my world, I connect to business owners all the time, not broke people. I yeah. connect with people that understand the importance of sales. And if you just want to be an artist, starving and dying on the side of the street, living you know, without selling, that's fine, but you're never gonna make any money and you're never, I don't believe you really believe in yourself because if you believe in something enough, you want people to have it, so you gotta sell it to them. And they need to pay appropriately. Otherwise, your business is never gonna take off. So nobody that understands business thinks that way of sales. And so those people are just, just dumb. <laughs> so your, your essentially view on sales is, if you truly do believe in your product and you truly do believe that it can help somebody, then there's really no sleazy aspect to the sales at all because you know deep down that this product or service is going to help someone. Yeah. I mean, you have a moral obligation, as Jay Abraham would say, to sell them. And they're not going to be properly invested if you give it for free. So they, And the company is not going to survive. So it's a, it's, it's a highly moral thing to do. And it's, you know, when you build the business and you sell then you can hire employees and you know they can eat and you can provide jobs. All of that puts money in the door and no business or human being survives without money. You know, so it's, it's all sales. And I think you know, when it's person to person interaction sales, I think because we've all had a bad experience yeah. in selling, I think some people are tainted with that. But, and there's this cheesy phrase that people say, people love to buy but hate to be sold. People love to buy and they love to be sold. They hate to be convinced, they hate to be pushed. But when you're properly sold and somebody makes you feel taken care of, they answer all your questions, they educate you, they walk you through your uncertainty that would otherwise keep you from having the thing that you already raised your hand and said you want to have. And so we're walking people through their resistance that would keep them from having something that deep down they want. And so we have to stand in the fire with them as a strong professional and move them ethically without pressure towards the desires that are inside of them to line up with the life, product, service, or thing they could have and the possibility of that in their life. That's sales. And so we're just moving people through resistance. Sales is not just something you do in business, though. It is a life skill. It's getting the fancy restaurant that's booked at the, you know, with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. It's you know, getting upgraded to first class for free. 
It's, it's just communication over and over again. And if you can do that ethically with persuasion, you can become a star. You know, it's, it's really amazing what you can do in sales. So when you say people don't, don't necessarily, well, you say the catchphrase is people don't like to be sold to, but you say people do like to be sold to. They, they like to be, um, uh, is it convinced was the word that you use? They like to be convinced that it's the right product. They don't like to be convinced. They don't, they don't like to be convinced. So, what what would be what would be an example of that? Well, I mean, like my Apple iPhone, I didn't have to be convinced. It's just I wanted it. Yeah. You know, my my Range Rover, like I wanted it, and so it's like something there. And of course, there was some negotiation back and forth with the the car, at least. And but it was a fun process for me. Um, convinced is trying to get somebody interested in something they really don't want or that's not in their best needs. So. In your opinion of the product or service, like should the should the product or service be that valuable in the potential customer's eyes, essentially, that the product should sell itself to some degree? No, no. Well, it's, there's this research company called Huthwaite, and they broke it down in their research that 53% of the success of a, you know, a sale comes down to not the product itself, not the customer service, like not even how much they like the product. 53% of satisfaction with the product came down to the buying experience. If it was a shitty experience when they were sold, they're not gonna enjoy it and they're not gonna come back. So creating a real business will come down to the professionalism of the sales interaction. Right, so it's it's, it's more based around the, the person that's on the call. Kinda. Yeah, the process. Yeah, yeah. What um, what would you say has been one of the biggest things that's helped you in your career in sales? Some of the things we talked about, but, uh, you know, believing in what I do, believing in people, um, understanding resistance, yep. having beliefs about what that is, and not taking things personally. Yeah, just having a bit of thick skin, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah, true. Like, I mean, you... uh, empathy and understanding and sensory acuity. So I'm, I'm aware, not so much thick skin, but it's, it's an awareness of the sensory acuity. Like I feel it and I feel what's coming up for them. So I've got empathy and sensory acuity, but I've got behavioral flexibility to move them towards my outcome. And so it's not just thick skin because I'm feeling everything, but I know that it has nothing to do with me. And so I know, Mother Teresa, for example, said that all communication is a loving response or a cry for help. And if they're not giving me a loving response, I know it's a cry for help. And if somebody's angry, they didn't start off that way. They, it's a learned behavior based on a past association that has nothing to do with me. And they're frustrated, they've got shame and guilt because they've made bad decisions in the past and they're projecting that onto this call. And so I just might need to connect, put them at ease and dig a little bit deeper and find out what's driving the behavior that we see and just help them uh, embrace and resolve their concerns together. That's all we're doing. It's yeah, that, that's that's quite a quite. I remember Tony actually mentioning that about um, Mother Teresa. It's either um, <laughs> a cry for help. Uh, what was the second one? A cry for help, or it's a loving response or a cry loving for response help. or a cry for help. Yeah, I've heard that before. It's it's when you, when when you break it when it gets broken down like that, it definitely makes a lot of sense, and it's it's. Very powerful, very, very powerful when you can look at it from that way. 
Um, when it comes to, you know, getting back onto uh, sales calls and, you know, a lot of people do struggle with, um, you know, making calls and pitching people and they feel very uncomfortable and they might be a bit nervous because they've just started in a sales role or a sales gig. Um, what What's one thing that you would recommend helping people to overcome their nerves when they're getting on the phone and they're pitching people with either their product or service? Well, ideally, you should role play as much as possible. And if you do have scripts and all that stuff, the time on the call is not the time to practice your script. Uh, when I had scripts and all of that, I would make note cards. I would take my script. I would read certain parts of it out loud over and over again, over and over again. I mean, like a hundred times saying one sentence, I'd record myself saying my script. I would listen to myself recorded. If I did a call, I would record the call. I'd listen to myself over and over again. And so it's like a lot of times, you know, people say, well, how do you deal with the nerves? Well, I'd say if I was as fucking unprepared as you are, I'd be nervous too. <laughs> it's like, you, know, it's like you, should, you should be scared. Like yeah, you, you should be nervous. That you should. There's a reason you're nervous. Like one, you can just hope that it goes away and pretend it's not there, or you can do something about it. And that's called preparation. You know, it's like if you, it, then there's only so many objections or so many things that people can say, and there's only so many emotions driving it. And so you need to understand a little bit of it. But, you know, just, you know, getting comfortable asking for money, role playing with people, all that stuff is ideal. When I started, I didn't do that though. So I was pretty nervous um, initially. And like, thank God I was nervous. Thank God that mm. I was scared. Now I look back, like if I'm scared, it just means that I'm not prepared. That is a sign from my genetics, my, my, you know, my evolution from God, whatever you want to call it. Hey, this means that I should prepare more. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, it's, I tell people all the time, they're like, man, if I was as unprepared as you are, I would be pretty scared too. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. No, it definitely comes down to just practice, practice, practice. And yeah, as you said, a, like there's an the external practice side of things you do and say, and then there's an internal conditioning side of who you be and you have to do and go through the reps a lot. And one of the things like with me speaking at so many seminars, not only that developed me in my external communication, it, it developed me in my internal communication where now, um, if I go into a new situation, say like, you know, example, Michael Jordan, he practices all the different moves and he gets into a game situation where two guys are coming at him and this guy's on the left and he's never been in that situation before. He still will create some magic because his internal certainty is conditioned because you can't practice for everything. And so as you're conditioning yourself to go through the reps, you can't say, well, what if exactly this at exactly this time? And you can't practice every scenario. So what you can do is you can condition your certainty about who you are, about what things mean internally. And now you've got like a North star inside of you guiding you through the chaos because you can't prep for everything. But part of the reason you prep is conditioning you, not just in what you say linguistically or verbically, but you're conditioning yourself emotionally to be able to handle anything that shows up. And so now if I'm speaking at a seminar or whatever, obviously I prepare, I think, who are these people, the things that we went over and I do it relatively quick, but part of me, like, I want to get into situations that are new for me because I'm going to learn and it's going to be exciting and I get to, you know, play right now. So there's different levels to it, but it's a, it's a practice of not just what you need to say, but a conditioned state of who you need to be. So, you know, talking about conditioning and, and, you know, self-belief and all of that, when it, when it comes to, you know, working with Tony, 
how much of Tony has rubbed off on you working with him for as long as you have and how much self-belief did you get from being around Tony? You know, a lot when I would do these presentations and I spoke at some really big companies too and there are some big Tony fans and they're just like, man, that thing that Tony has, you have it. And I don't have it at the level Tony is, but even before I met Tony, I authentically cared about people. Um, I noticed patterns and I thought deeply about this stuff. And uh, I believe in people, like I like people. I want to see people succeed. When people are giving me bullshit answers, I'm able to challenge them in a way that feels aligned and doesn't feel combative. And so some of the elements of what he is, I have in me too, he's got them more, I'm not comparing myself or saying, hey, I'm just like Tony at all. But in that context of sailing, I was able to already be living some of it. And then when I saw Tony do it, it held me to a standard where I wanted to develop that in myself. So he created the desire, he created the standard, and he gave me tactical tools to embody. And seeing him at those events, seeing him create magic and people standing you know, for two, three hours and they're tired, or I'm in an event for 12 hours, I'm exhausted. He's on freaking stage for like 15 hours straight with no breaks some days and has hardly slept. And I'm just like, wow, like this just makes me want to become so much more. And I, I think, I, I hope we all meet somebody or have somebody in our life that gives us a little bit of it, but he gave me a lot. And um, he's definitely, he's, he's changed everything for me. He's, he's an amazing guy. Like I said, I'm a huge fan. So when you talk about, you know, he has that thing and, and they're saying you have that thing, what, what, what are they talking about? What's, what's this thing that they're talking about? Belief, empathy, certainty, the capacity to connect with a human being, to get rapport, to be genuine, to be sincere, to have, you know, the sense of leadership and gratitude and a positive intent behind what you're doing and um, to be present, to be in the moment. And are you looking to, you know, emulate what Tony does to some degree or are you looking to do something completely separate? Because I know you've got your um, your online sales course on your website. Um, yeah. So are you looking to do similar things to what Tony has done in the future or are you more looking to do go down your own path? Well, it's similar in the sense that we're, we're doing these. So I've seen like every sales training out there, the question-based ones, all the scripts, all this, and it's really good stuff. Um, but a big part of it is who the person is. So we have courses where you develop people and not just what to say, but in who to be. And, you know, all of that kind of like he has his breakthrough programs, um, where people get rid of their limiting beliefs. We talk, we've using some of those same, you know, vernacular and related it to salespeople, um, and sales process where the, the prospect might have limiting buying beliefs, uh, areas of uncertainty. And so, I've taken my processes, watching Tony do what he does, and I've infused those into a sales process. And, and our tagline is always, sales doesn't have to be transactional, it can be transformational if people know the process. So we have programs where we teach that process around who to be, how to create space, how to challenge, when to do what and why in a syntax that always leads to people being better salespeople, but also just better people. And we're starting to do some events, we've done some small ones, where have, have you done Tony's UPW? I haven't done it. No, I haven't gone to it. It's got this event oh, I want to, where, well, you should do it quick. He's not going to do a lot more. He's done one a year now. And I don't think he's got many more years doing them. Um, really? But yeah, if you can do five, it's great. But there's even virtual now for a few hundred bucks, people can do it. And it's, it's awesome. It's like these long events and people have limiting beliefs about who they are, you know, things in their past. As a salesperson, you deal with a lot of shit sometimes. 
people being mean to you all of it, and or you don't get a sale, and you're like, I should have said this, we beat ourselves up, or we feel angry. And so I think as a salesperson, you take on a lot of negative emotion, or you might have some emotions inside of you. So one of the things that I've done for entrepreneurs, some really successful people, is just walk them through emotional processes that have helped them release that, neutralize that, change that. And so we're starting to put that into group programs where it's more scalable because it's you know it'd be really expensive for them to work with me one on one. So we're starting to do the small groups, and eventually we'll do it with really big groups, just like Tony does. But like you know, like a thousand salespeople, entrepreneurs, coaches, people that own shit. Like how do they deal with stress and when they have something triggering them, what are they making it mean about people or themselves or the situation? How do we change that to make people more empowered in their psychology, think more creatively, and act more uh, responsibly instead of reactively? Yeah, because I, I think one of the things that doesn't get spoken about enough and, and essentially people don't have the tools or the know-how to navigate through the, the stress of, I guess, everyday life and to perform at your best every day is is extremely difficult to do. And you know, you talk about Tony standing on stage for 15 hours, some people are up on their toes for three and they're exhausted, they can't stand yet. Tony's up on his feet 15 hours a day, screaming, shouting, yelling, you know, doing all the crazy things that he does. Um, you know, in, in your opinion and your view, you know, how would how, how does someone create, for lack of better words, a pattern interrupt in their life to start making positive changes? Um, just every day, you know, whether it be diet, training, as we've talked a lot about mental or internal beliefs about ourselves. Like, you know, if you're coming home or if you're working up in a foul mood and you're going to work and you're just like, fuck this, I don't want to go to work. I don't want to have this meeting, this shit. I don't want to do this. What, what's something that you do or that you tell yourself every day that could help with that? You know, having like an end of day report kind of on yourself. I've got a list of values and things that I want to live and I kind of do a end of day journal in the morning. I have like a mission statement that I look at that reassociates to me to what I'm doing. And I've got a calendar like every day is packed. And so I've just got like a guiding light and I've got KPIs at the end of the day. So constant measurement and getting coached, you know, having coaches, you know, have somebody talk to you once a week or being part of a community of people that are playing a game of life higher than you, that changes everything. And so, I mean, I've spent, insane amounts of money on coaching. So I'm, you know, I, I'm not just telling people to buy, get coaches for no reason, but they, it has changed my life. And so, and if you're wanting to be a better communicator, for example, um, you can join Toastmasters. It's like $35 a year, or you can find some friends and read a chapter out loud of Think and Grow Rich or some book. You can, you know, find these people that are doing things and it doesn't have to cost a lot of money. If you want to be around people that are making a ton of money and doing big stuff, yes, that costs money. And, you know, you get into those masterminds, but initially it's just finding some people, you know, that want to do it. For me, it was just me. Like I started, it was just me. I didn't have anybody to do this with. And like, I'd get up in the morning, sprinting, jumping rope. I would do sprints in the morning. I would often throw up like this yellow bile stuff. And I just, I just loved it though. I just loved pushing myself. And I, I would go like really strict, really hardcore, and I'm entering back into another realm of it as we're developing some of these programs where I'm like on monk mode. And so when I talk about doing these extreme things of discipline, I don't live that way 360, 365, but I'll have like these periods of like two months where I'm full on and create these projects. And then I, I've got, make sure I got some light at the end of the tunnel, but I make sure that I get 
back immediately as quick as I can into this process of creating a life by design, not by default. And if we're not designing the life, the future, the business that we want, we're defaulting to, you know, where we've been. And that's not growth. And if you're not growing, you're not alive. And so it just feels so much better to do it. Um, But that process of getting ourselves to do the things that we know we need to do when we don't want to do them, that's hard. And so that takes discipline. Um, Read that book, uh, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. And, you know, like some of these dudes that are just amazing. And um, I used to have like a, a video running on my wall of pictures that inspired me because as we, you know, in our environment, if you drive down the road, you see billboards of a Coca-Cola, all of that. Even if you're yeah. not seeing them, your subconscious mind is seeing them out, out the corner of your eye. And they spend billions on that marketing because they know that even if you're not staring at it, it's still influencing you by your filter. So I have, usually I'll have pictures of things. It could be a vision board, but I'd have something in my environment that reminds me of this person I want to be. And I used to have one running all the time, picture of Tony on there, Tom Brady, um, David Goggins, people that really inspired me, but things that I want to have, just this, you know, just really good memories of me at my best. And so I think some of that in your environment will shape your subconscious and then visualization every day, all that stuff. I get up in the morning and I read this statement and I visualize these things are already there. And it's just creating this new identity for yourself, this new normal that you just live into throughout the day. And it's, it's a lot of fun. Wow, man. That's, that's, yeah, that's inspiring, man. That's incredible. Um, look, we're coming to the end of our time now. So I'll just wrap it up with one last question. Um, you know, working, working with Tony, obviously you would have learned a lot and there's a, you can't get everything out of in, in a 45 minute podcast, but um, to share with the audience, you know, what would, you know, what would be, you know, one or two things that really stuck out for you that you learned from Tony that's made a big impact on your life? There's so many stories I wish I could tell just, but for time's sake, I, I would say just standards. Uh, one of the kind of the pinnacle moments of his UPW program is just raising your standards. And it's one thing to talk about that. And I've definitely had times and my life where I was talking a big game, but I wasn't living it. And so I think as a coach or a salesperson, what we're doing is we're calling somebody forward to do something that's difficult for them. And I I always make this joke in my seminars. You call a company and you're a salesperson. You call a company, you ask for the what maker, like decision maker. Like, okay, how do we get rapport with people and get them to buy into us. How do we create commonality? People like people who are like themselves or how they want to be. How are you going to connect with decision makers if you're not a what? A decision maker. And so I think, you know, this whole process, and I know Tony talks about it a lot, just decisions determine direction in life. Direction determines your destiny or your destination. So decisions, destination, destiny. And so you're making decisions constantly about what to focus on, what things mean, and who you want to be. And a lot of these decisions that you're making are unconscious. And so the process of taking conscious control over the decisions that you've made, what they need to be to be in alignment with who you you want to be in your life is absolutely key. And I think a reason people in general, not just salespeople, struggle, it's their indecision about who they want to be, what they want their life to look like. And so they're just following, they're reading the book, they're going through the moments, they haven't made real decisions. And there's that classic line, most people have heard it. A decision comes from the Latin word decir, meaning to cut off. So you cut off any other possibility, you've decided, 
And so we decide, we commit, we resolve, and we make something happen. And so I think if we are going to be in the business of getting people to make decisions on the spot, it's really incongruent for us to ask people to do things that we're not willing to do ourselves. And so we have to look internally and make really strong decisions, cut things, people, foods, whatever it is out of our life, constantly be upgrading our decision-making process. And it's not easy for you. But if you do the difficult thing for you, you will feel better about calling somebody to the standard to do it for themselves. And so it really comes down to congruency and living it, living at a standard, living as a decision maker, and then calling people forward to do the same thing because it feels so darn good. And we want that for them. Well, that's uh, that's, that's let's take away um, from that, Eli. Thank you so much for your time on the on the show. Really, really appreciate it, man. I know you're a busy guy. Um, a lot of insightful things that were shared today. So, mate, thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, you've learned something from today's episode and know the next steps to focus on in your business. Want more resources to jumpstart your journey? Click the link in the show notes to see what else I have to offer and book a call with myself to jumpstart your business and make shit happen. I specialize in helping people turn their passion into six-figure businesses to replace your nine-to-five through online education and high-ticket coaching. If this is something that interests you, you can reach out to me through any of my social media outlets in the description below.